With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Grant, uh, which which country are you in right now? I am in Manchester, United Kingdom, or in soccer terms, England. Fantastic. Uh, stay tuned. That's all we can say about that. There's uh, there's some good stuff. Good stuff in the works, Brian. You uh, you survived the snowpocalypse down in the DC area. Uh, no, I'm I'm recording this from beyond the grave. <laughs> That's extraordinarily morbid. Uh, but great to have you guys on. Pleasure uh, to be here. <laughs> lots. Lots going on uh, in the soccer universe. A lot going on in, in our U.S. soccer universe. Uh, the big news this week, um, Matt Miazga apparently on his way to Chelsea from the New York Red Bulls. Um, this is this is a big move. This is a 20-year-old U.S. center back going to the defending Premier League champions, no matter what standing Chelsea's in right now. Uh, this this is a huge club. Grant, I want to start with you on this. Uh, you've reported that, that Chelsea's plan is not to loan him out right away, like a lot of people might think. Uh, is that a good thing, a bad thing? Just just this move overall? What, what are your thoughts? I think overall this is a good move for Matt Miazga. Here's uh, a guy who's 20 years old who is coming out of MLS and going straight to Chelsea. And, and you know, the, the source I spoke to, and it was a very good source, telling me that uh, contrary to most people's opinion, he will not be going out immediately on loan like the 28 or so other Chelsea loanees. Uh, that he's going to get four months the rest of the season with Chelsea, with the first team, to train, uh, potentially play in games that at least this season down the stretch may not mean as much as they typically do for Chelsea. And they want to find out how good he is. They are they they are very you know they they find him very promising, uh, like what they've seen with the Red Bulls. And so we're gonna at least see what kind of shot he gets. Uh, and you know they'll reevaluate in the summer and decide. Uh, if they want to send him out on loan at that point, which wouldn't even then be a necessarily bad thing. You want Matt Miazga to be able to get the opportunity to impress at Chelsea. And if that doesn't happen, you want him to get the chance to go out on loan and play somewhere because the guy can't just be sitting on a bench. Sure. And and this is this is like Jurgen's dream come true. 20-year-old blue chip prospects getting the chance to to play at the highest level, regardless, again, of of what Chelsea has been able to do this year, uh, who knows? Maybe he comes off the bench and, and helps him escape relegation uh, in, uh, in the last few weeks of the season. Um, but this, and and it's important to note, he has a, po- a Polish passport, so work permit not a problem. He can he can go right into the team. Um, I mean, based on what you saw from him in MLS um, and and you know his his brief time with the national team so far, I mean, is this a move you can fathom? Can you see Matt Miazga playing? for a Premier League power like this? It's a pretty big leap uh, when you're talking about Chelsea um, as opposed to a mid-level or typically lower-level Premier League team. Uh, Matt Miazga had a very promising 
2015 with the Red Bulls, and yet it was also the first season he'd ever really played full-time in MLS. And so if you talk to him, if you talk to his teammates with the Red Bulls, they'd like him. They think he can be really, really good. Clearly, Jurgen Klinsmann rates him highly. He's brought him into the national team camp. It's all moving very fast for Matt Miazga right now. And uh, and basically everyone at the Red Bulls says, look, he's not a finished product yet. Uh, no one would expect him to be. Uh, and yet his growth has been so fast that uh, who knows? If you throw him in the deep end, uh, you might get uh, a really positive response. So it's the, uh, the heir apparent to John Terry. This <laughs> is... Uh... <laughs> His his path is very similar to DeAndre Yedlin, right? I mean, uh, just a meteoric rise on on the U.S. level. Of course, Yedlin went to went to college. Miazga did not. I believe he was actually committed to Michigan, uh, but then went straight to the Red Bulls. Um, and now here he is going through a quick progression with the national team, and and then you know on his way to to the Premier League. So we'll see what happens. Brian, other U.S. news regarding players in the Premier League, and this one almost higher on the shock scale, in, in my opinion. Tim Howard apparently has mutual interest uh, with the Colorado Rapids and could be coming back to MLS. Um, I, does that just make sense to you? It's it's a little it bizarre. Would, it, would, it would make Tim Howard the only person with interest in the Colorado Rapids. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yikes. That's awesome. <laughs> the symmetry the symmetry is cool. You got Matt Miazga leaving the Red Bulls uh to go to England and and then a, a guy who a long time ago left that club uh to start what's what's been a wonderful career in England, Tim Howard, uh perhaps coming back. Um Tim Howard's gonna be thirty seven year old years old soon. He he's clearly uh, you know, sort of uh you know, toward the end on the back nine of, of what's been a wonderful career. Um I can understand why he'd want to come back, you know, be near his kids. Uh, sort sort of see things out here. I, I I get that part of it. Although we'll lose him on uh, on NBC Premier League telecasts, which is a shame. But I'm baffled by the Rapids' interest in him. I'm baffled by the fact that a team that that scored only 33 goals last year, uh, the worst in MLS, uh, a, a team that's so bereft of of attacking options that it it, it they played Kevin Doyle as an attacking midfielder. Um, you know, th- th- this is a team with with needs far more severe uh, than in net, uh, where where they just swapped out Clint Irwin for Zach McMath. Um, you know, they were they were rumored to be going after Ali Bedoya. They were rumored to be going after Alan Pulido. They were rumored to be going after Carlos Vela. They haven't been able to pull the trigger on any of them. Uh, th- this is a club in 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 disarray from the top down. Uh, they dismantled the team that won the 2010 championship. They dismantled the very promising group uh, that Oscar Pereja put together before he left for Dallas. And now they seem aimless and rudderless and sort of just trying to throw stuff at a wall. And, and, and Tim Howard, and, and I mean no disrespect to Tim Howard, but it, this seems like, a, oh, well, you know, here's a guy who maybe we can get and maybe he'll sell some tickets. You know, and, and, and that's the way a team that doesn't have a plan uh, that had the worst attendance in MLS last year maybe tries to approach things. But how is, how is Tim Howard a, a long-term solution uh, for what ails uh, the, the league's, you know, most uh, most forlorn club, I, I just don't really understand the thinking. That's that's a fair point, and it it really does kind of scream of of you know we want some of the spotlight, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, the the fact that the team is showing initiative and, and trying to land big names and to drum up interest uh, is good. But the fact of the matter is, in in the salary cap. Uh, 
you know, confines of MLS, spending a, a reported two to three million dollars on a goalkeeper doesn't seem like a very sound strategy, Grant, does it? And any team, and any team can sort of drop names and drop hints that they're going after certain guys. But uh, you know, until you actually bring one of these players in, um, and or, or demonstrate that you can keep a group together, uh, which again the Rapids have failed to do twice in the past five years. Um, and it's interesting to note, meanwhile, that that the owner of the Rapids, Stan Kroenke, uh, is is going to spend you know the, the gross national product of, of many countries on on building a, a football stadium in Los Angeles uh, or or some kind of NFL playground, whatever it is they're calling for the Rams, and 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 so the the Rapids are an afterthought to to it seems to him as well, and 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 to to fans, to people like us who cover the league. Um, you know, I had a nice conversation with Pablo Mastroeni in Baltimore, and 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 he he's a good dude, and and you know, I'll, I'll leave it to to listeners to decide whether he you know is up to the challenge or in over his head or a a good coach in the making or whatever. But at least he recognizes the situation. I mean, he he basically said it was you know, pooper get off the pot time, and and that, and then he needed to he needed to get it done this year. Um, so and he seems sincere and earnest in that. And so I think he realizes that things are starting to fray and that, and that some work really needs to be done. Um, and, uh, and if that starts with signing Tim Howard, if that's what they think the problem is, then, then more power to him, I guess. In defense of Colorado, I would say that it's not necessarily a bad thing that we're talking about the Colorado Rapids. And if Tim Howard helps us do that, then that could be one part of a very big puzzle for them to to get relevant, uh, and so I don't have a huge issue if they sign Tim Howard necessarily. Uh, it will cause more people to think about Colorado, and it's been interesting to see the names that you mentioned uh, that they have at least pretty seriously, uh, as far as it looks, attempted to pursue. I didn't think they would ever really land Carlos Vela, um, even though they had the discovery claim on him. And, and now it sounds like Juan Carlos Osorio, the Mexico national team coach, not sounds like he is saying publicly that he does not want Mexican national team players in their prime to play in MLS, which is interesting coming from a former and sort of failed MLS coach, <laughs> right? You know, so I mean, like you're looking at, at what's happening there. There's a lot of interesting stuff. There's stuff worth talking about with Colorado these days. They just brought in John Spencer, a former head coach in MLS with Portland Timbers, uh, and a guy who, if you're wondering if Pablo Mastroeni is on thin ice, maybe you're wondering if he's on slightly thinner ice now with John Spencer in there working beside him. Uh, but you also look, Claudio Lopez is a real guy. and He's he's involved there. Paul Bravo is a real guy. Um Tim Hinchy is a real guy. And so we complained for a long time about Colorado having nothing worth talking about or very little worth talking about. And now they do. And I'm, I'm not going to totally, you know, go in on them here just because they have a chance to sign Tim Howard. I think that could be potentially something to build on. Oh, for sure. I, I, it just strikes me as odd from Tim Howard's angle, unless at Everton, he's getting the message that like, look, you, you know, we're, we're moving on. Uh, because he's been very open and, and straightforward that he had planned to play out his Everton contract, play in the 2018 World Cup, hang up the cleats, and, and that was going to be that. Uh, you would think that if he ever came back to MLS, it it would be you know back to the Red Bulls. You know, always seemed like a, a loyal guy to that organization. Um, and it just it just it's just weird. Like my first instinct when hearing the initial reports 
were just no, there's there's no way. Um, and you know, we the shock value of of guys coming back to MLS has kind of worn off, right? I mean, it was it was huge with Clint Dempsey, it was huge with with Bradley, a little less huge with Josie Altidore, but still but still pretty big. Now you you hear Tim Howard back to MLS, you don't really flinch all that much. It, well, it's worth it's worth noting that uh, Colorado made made some deals to get to the top of the allocation order, mm-hmm. uh, and and that they're and so they have that spot now. And, and MLS has altered that process, so there is a defined list of players uh, that can be acquired through the allocation order. And you can look the list up on the league's website, and obviously Tim Howard and Ali Bedoya are both on it. So if, if, they don't, if they don't get either of those players, and they don't have someone else in mind on that list that we just don't know about, then again, what, what are we talking about here? We're just talking about a, a club that doesn't seem to sort of you know, have a sense of how to get things done, how to pull the trigger on things, any sort of long-term plan. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, Grant, like you, I'm not going to hammer them until we see the results. But, you know, uh, based upon the way they've dismantled two teams and the way this team has sort of stumbled over the past couple of years, it would not stun me if, if, if one of these moves didn't work out and they were sort of left holding the bag again because that's just seemed to be this team's fate. I mean, they, they are, uh, you know, they have not progressed in, 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 on the field or off uh, like a lot of the rest of the league has, and it's very noticeable. I would also add that when you're talking about Tim Howard at Everton, that's the main thrust behind why a move would happen sooner rather than later, whether it's in this January window or, or this summer. And I know Tim Howard has had a fantastic career in the Premier League, but it's pretty factual at this point to say that Everton fans, a lot of them, are not very happy with Tim Howard and, and his performance lately. Uh, we've seen some occasions of derisive, uh, sarcastic applause from their fans, and he gives it right back to them. And uh, so it's not, a, not an ideal situation there right now. When you look at what Tim Howard has achieved in the Premier League, his numbers are amazing. And, and you know, right up there with some of the top goalkeepers in the history of the league since it became the premier league. So uh, he's had a fantastic career. Uh, he's still, I think the likely U S number one goalkeeper at the Copa America, by the way, this summer uh, in uh, you know, in battle right now with Brad Guzan. And he still thinks he can be the U S starter at the 2018 world cup. And I'd be curious to see if he does make the move, how that you know gets affected potentially by that. Brad Guzan, not, the starter at Aston Villa anymore, Tim Howard coming back to MLS, probably not what Jurgen Klinsmann had in mind when he anointed both of them his co-number ones. Uh, going back to that allocation order list uh, that MLS has, Matt Miazga's name is, is going to be on it if he goes. If he leaves for a transfer, that that's one of the uh, stipulations for coming back to MLS through the allocation order. Grant, uh, real quick, Miazga's potential move to Chelsea by the time this podcast airs, that move could be complete. Uh, or Christian Pulisic, his rise at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, which one is more impressive to you well christian pulisic is 17 years old and a young 17 doesn't turn 18 until september and he's playing with the first team training every day now at borussia dortmund they're in second place in the bundesliga he made their 18 the other day did not come into the game but uh was talking to people in germany this past week and they said some interesting things about pulisic uh one that they're expecting he gets at least four to five appearances uh, with the first team in the Bundesliga this season. That sounded potentially conservative. Had a really good winter break uh, for Dortmund. And then uh, one uh, of my contacts said, some people in Germany think he is the best 17-year-old in Germany. 
of any nationality. Um, and you know, you you want to like put the brakes on the hype machine when you're in our position, I think, especially given some of the experiences we've lived in the US before. But even just hearing some of that, it's very, you know, that's that's causing optimism, obviously, when you hear a 17-year-old for Dortmund uh, is getting these opportunities. And I, I, one thing I was just thinking about too, which I find interesting is, uh, if you have another passport, an EU passport, it seems to be very helpful if you're an American. Uh, Matt Miazga has a Polish passport that's allowing him not to need to appeal for a work permit to go to Chelsea. Um, and Christian Pulisic has a Croatian passport. And you know, this is a kid who grew up in Pennsylvania, but was able to get that passport. And that allowed him to go over to Dortmund and get into their system before he turned 18, which if you don't have that Croatian passport, if you're just on a U.S. passport, you really can't go until you're 18. Look at Haji Wright. So that ability to get into the Dortmund system, I think at 16, um, very helpful for Christian Pulisic to now be on the radar at 17 for their first team. Certainly a name to watch for the future. And I don't even really think he's being overhyped. I mean, this is this is reality. It's not like Dortmund's tweeting out side-by-side photos of him and Lionel Messi. <clears throat> Seattle. Um, it's The fact of the matter is he's he's breaking into this team and he's doing well. And his coaches, Livy Bird, for playing a football, wrote a, a really good story talking to some of his past youth coaches. I mean, it, the the reality of his situation is is that he's a very good player and, and on the path to... To do more good things, um, so it's look we'll we'll see down the line what what happens with him. But for seventeen, not so bad. Uh, I want to close the segment, Brian, with you on one more signing. This one coming to MLS, uh, Ashley Cole, and we actually have an interview coming up, Grant, that you were able to do with with two of his current teammates now, Steven Gerrard and Giovanni dos Santos. But Brian Ashley Cole two years ago said that he was not ready to come back to ML- or come to MLS because he did not want to. I'm paraphrasing here, uh, just relax on a beach, basically. He, he essentially called it a retirement league. He wasn't ready to to cash in his chips and, and just play. fact of the matter is, he's in a great town now to go relax on a beach if he if he should choose. Um, but do you are, do you believe that the signing is, is going to work? Do you just see it as a, as a train wreck? Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see the, the, the TIFO that opposing fans uh, come up with when <laughs> Galaxy come in. I look, I mean, Cole, Cole has been relaxing on the Roma bench for the past, you know, year and a half plus. So, uh, you know, if anything, he's probably itching maybe to play a little soccer because uh, he hasn't done much of that lately. Um, and to his credit, he, he addressed it in his, in his first comments uh, on the Galaxy's website, you know, said, uh, you know, hopefully the fans will warm up to him and it won't be easy. And he wants to prove them, prove him he's not not on holiday, et cetera, et cetera. So he knows um, and, and whether or not he cares what. LA Galaxy or, or American soccer fans think of him, I guess, I guess we'll find out. I mean, the message that this sends to me, I mean, look, I mean, Cole is 35. Um, uh, Van Dam, who they just signed, is, is 32. Lorenowitz, 32. McGee, 31. They've been, you know, linked to Nigel DeYoung. He's 31. Robbie Keane is 35 and has the Euro this summer. Uh, Steven Gerrard is 35, and we all know what some long plane flights did to him in the fall. Um, and, and, and most importantly of all, perhaps, Bruce Arena is 65, or will be 65 at, at the end of the MLS season. So what, what I'm wondering here, I mean, th- th- this is a team not built for the long haul. This is a team not built, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, a solid core that's going to be together for years and years. Uh, this is a team built to win right now, and more specifically in October and November and December. 
Um, and so uh, it says to me that perhaps Bruce Arena sort of sees his uh, his time running out, maybe another season, maybe another two. Uh, but, but, but he wants to win MLS Cup right now. And that's what this signing says to me. I'll say this right now, too. When you look at Bruce Arena, he is in the last year of his contract. If he goes out with another MLS Cup, uh, I could very easily see him calling it quits with the Galaxy. Maybe not necessarily retiring from coaching. I think he wouldn't mind being potentially a national team coach again. Um, for I don't know what country that might be. But, um, you know, he's a guy who I think the grind of MLS travel has, has gotten to him a little bit. Um, and so you see all this stuff coming together for this season. You know, you've already got people probably getting ahead of themselves and talking about, well, who would replace Bruce Arena? Is that Jason Kreiss, who worked with Chris Klein uh, from the LA Galaxy uh, at Salt Lake? Uh, or potentially Dave Sarikin getting rewarded after being Arena's loyal, loyal servant for so long? Or somebody else completely off the radar? So uh, lots of talk going on. I I'm excited to see the Galaxy play just because I think there's going to be a lot of new personalities there. And as far as Ashley Cole's concerned, does he supplant Robbie Rogers at left back? Does Rogers go to the right? Uh, you know, how do you actually positionally use these guys? I think it ultimately just comes down to Cole's motivation. I mean, he said that two years ago. And like Brian, you said, the last two years haven't been the kindest to him on the field. Uh, if he sees this as an opportunity to to actually restore uh, you know, a, a reputation and, and play for a team that can win a championship. This is going to be a move that can really work out. He's he's not a terrible player. I think people are overlooking that and, and kind of focusing on the comments that he had made. Um, so look, a, another fascinating storyline to watch. Uh, I want to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, though, we will have two of Ashley Cole's new teammates, Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos, one-on-one with Grant Wall. Whether you like it or not, Super Bowl 50 is going to be played between the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers, and our network of podcasts is all over it. Uh, we've got a special week of Super Bowl programming leading up into Super Bowl 50, four special shows on the Audible's NFL podcast, and all three of the hosts of the, the MMQB podcast will be heading to Santa Clara. Uh, so be sure to listen to it all, get this game broken down from every angle possible, hear it all at si.com slash podcast. Welcome back. Uh, Grant, when you were out in Los Angeles for MLS Media Day, uh, you had the opportunity to sit down with two of the LA Galaxy's designated players, Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos. Uh, I guess what, quickly, you know, what was it like talking with them and, and just set up these interviews? What, what did you actually get into? Well, one thing I love about MLS Media Day is just how much access you can get to basically all of the league's top stars in one day. They fly them out to L.A., uh, players from every team, uh, generally the best players from every team, and uh, you know had the opportunity to sit down one on one for the podcast with Giovanni dos Santos and uh, Stephen Gerrard, uh, among others. Uh, you'll hear more from those others on future podcasts. But uh, it was the first time I'd interviewed those guys one on one, and really enjoyed doing that. Uh, you know, this time of year, everyone's in a good mood. Uh, the season hasn't started yet. Uh, but they were also really thoughtful. And uh, with Steven Gerrard, I had a little more time, so I was able to talk to him about the LA Galaxy changes, about what he's learned from his experience so far 
Uh, and also, as I like to do with uh, when I interview some of the best players in the world or you know, guys who've had tremendous accomplishments, uh, give them the rapid fire quiz, which is uh, uh, very quick but fun and, and revealing about some of the best experiences, accomplishments they've had in their career, best players they've played uh, with and against. So uh, that was enjoyable for me. And, and the rapid fire quiz is actually basically the only thing I was able to do with Giovanni Dos Santos, but he had a lot of really good responses. Uh, and, uh, and his English was pretty good too. So I uh, had a lot of fun talking to both these guys. I think you'll enjoy listening to him. It's a, it's a big year ahead for both of them too, given how, how last year ended uh, with the LA Galaxy. So without further ado, Grant Wall with Steven Gerrard and Giovanni Dos Santos. We're here today on the Sports Illustrated Soccer Podcast uh, with a terrific guest, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos of the LA Galaxy and the Mexican national team. Uh, we're going to speak a little bit, mostly in English today, uh, un poquito en español, but, but we'll translate everything and, and it'll be just fine. Thank you for joining us, Giovanni. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Uh, to start, I, I will give you the what I call the rapid fire test. This is a very quick questions about your career, which uh, has been very impressive uh, to this point. Uh, the first question is, what is the accomplishment in your career that you are most proud of? Oh, difficult question. I don't know. I think the first one was uh, the U-17 World Cup. Mm -hmm. I think it was the first, uh, like a goal that I that I get, and uh, yeah, I think that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is the favorite goal of your career that you have scored? Oh, my favorite goal? Yeah. Uh, it's easy. Answer, against uh, United States in the Rose Bowl <laughs> when we won the Gold Cup 4-2. Uh, I think it was the best goal that, that I scored in my, in my life. So also the best goal in terms of difficulty that you have scored yeah it was a very difficult goal it was like a how you say a dream goal a dream goal yeah i i was there that day it just can happen once in your life you know yeah and it happens at that moment i i, I have seen that goal many times now and uh i can i can still see it um you know, Tim Howard comes out, and he's kind of on the ground, yeah. and 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 you just dribble, you know, away from him, and then you take the shot, and the American defender, um, Eric Lehigh, is on the, the post. The, he was on the post, yeah. And, and just what was going through your head as you saw the ball? Flying? I just saw the defender in in the post and like a quick. As I have to put in the corner, in the yeah. top corner. So I try, and it was perfect. It was. It was, it was. perfect. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. an amazing goal. It was amazing, yeah. Um, who is the best player you have ever played against? The best players? Uh, well, I play uh, with uh, great teammates, mm -hmm. like uh, Ronaldinho or Messi. I think they are two of the greatest players in the in the history of the football. But against, I think, uh, well, I will say Cristiano Ronaldo. 
why he's just powerful he his ability is amazing uh he have everything i mean he can shoot with right left uh he's gonna score with the head and he's just amazing i think he's For me, the best player in the world is Messi, but mm-hmm. the second one is Cristiano. Okay, nice. So, yeah. I'm hoping I, pl- I play with the best player in the in the world, and I play against the second best player in the world. It's not Cristiano bad. Ronaldo. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is the toughest defender you have ever faced? Toughest defender. It's difficult question. I will say Sergio Ramos is one of the toughest defenders that I I played. Uh, Why? Oh, he's just strong. He's very smart, intelligent. He he's always in this in the right position, and uh, he he has improved a lot. You know, he's more quick now. I think more mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. Uh, I like him as a defender. Yeah. Very good player. Um. Most difficult goalkeeper to score against in your career? Whoa. I don't know. I can say Ike Casillas or Newer from Bayern Munich. I think he's one of the ball. Why him? Because he's just too big, you know. Yeah. He's big, he's strong, he's quick. And he has everything, you know, as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Tough when you have to choose between Iker Casillas and Ben Very Manoir. tough. Very tough. <laughs> <laughs> very tough. Oh, shoot. Um, best teammate of your career? Best teammate? Hmm. I will say Ronaldinho. Why? As a person, he's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, he's very, how you say, humilde. Uh, very, uh, he has a lot of humility. Humility, yeah. He's like a nice guy he always look after everyone he's always happy mm-hmm. and you know he's the guy like uh, you always want to be in your team yeah nice um best manager you have ever had best manager the first my dad was my manager mm-hmm. when i was young but the professional i think from reicher why Because he was the the one that, who gave me the opportunity to to become a professional soccer player. So yeah, he was a, also a great great person, and he's he's great. Good manager, good, good player. Too. Good manager, good player. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad manager. <laughs> <laughs> who is the player you have most admired in your career? Most admire. I will say Ronaldinho. Yeah, because I play with him. Uh, I know him as a person, so Ronaldinho. Okay. Uh, who is the person you most want to meet in the United States? To meet in the United States? Yeah. It could be anybody. Uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to him? Hello, Barack. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Giovanni Dos Santos of the LA Galaxy, thanks so much for joining the SI Podcast. You're welcome. I appreciate my friend. Uh, we're very fortunate here to have a guest on the SI podcast uh, who's done so much in the world of soccer, Stephen Gerrard from the LA Galaxy. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, I want to start out by just asking a very simple question. Hmm. What did you learn about MLS last season? I learned it was a very demanding league. 
that the level was a lot better than I first expected. Um, but you know, it's a good league. It's an enjoyable league. Um, as I say, some good teams, some good players, and uh, for my stage of my career, where I'm at, I think it's the perfect way to to sign off. You came in in mid-season hmm. last year. Yeah. Uh, soon after you arrived, it seemed like the Galaxy, everyone thought was going to win the whole thing. Yeah, well, I think I come in and we, we performed really well. You know, we found ourselves at the top of the league. Um, everyone was happy. We were playing well. Um, but there was just signs that we were conceding too many goals and making too many mistakes. And when it got down to the nitty-gritty, the, the, the important part, the business end of the season, we just fell a bit short. And unfortunately, we, we couldn't progress through the playoffs, but... Uh, thankfully, there's a full season ahead. There's more time. Um, I think we're going to make some signings to strengthen the team and the squad, and hopefully, we can have a a better shot at the MLS this year. For you, you played in this Premier League for so many years. Uh, mm. A very uh, specific way you win the league. You're the mm. best team all season long. Yeah. You come to a place in the United States where it's decided in playoffs. Yeah. How strange is that for you? Yeah, it was it was different. Um, but that's the rules and the setup here. It was down to me to adapt. But you know, of course, it was different. You know, at, at home at England, you know, you'd have to be the best over 38 games, and more often than not, the best team winning. Um, what I found. With the MLS is that most teams are very similar, the standards very similar, so you can move up and down the league at any given time during the season, um, and it makes it that that more difficult to you know to position yourself towards the end of the season. Then you need the bit of luck, um, and you need to keep players healthy and fresh because it comes down to a knockout stage. So it's very difficult towards the end. Was Christmas strange for you this time around? Because I mean. It, it, the first time you didn't have to play games. It was strange, but it was beautiful. Um, yeah. It's the first time I've had a Christmas off from soccer f- since I left school at 16. You know, in, in England, in, in the Premiership, um, the games get thicker and faster towards the Christmas. You know, you play 21st of December, 26th, 28th, 1st of January. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very traditional, busy period in England, but the MLS is off-season, so it was nice to be at home with the family, relax and you know, have a beer and a wine and a bit of food and not worry about you know, football for a little short while. How important is it to you to go out by winning a league championship? I think it'd be very nice. It'd be the icing on the cake for a very long career. Um, that's me planning the ideal scenario come the end of the season. But as I say, you know, it's tough. The MLS is littered with good players and good teams and it's a very tough um, championship to win. But I'm hoping Bruce strengthens the team and the squad and puts us, um, gives us a real good chance of competing with the best. And I'm sure that'll happen. And as I say, I've got confidence in my teammate. We can go better this season. One thing I like to do when I interview some of the best players in the world is mm. kind of a what I call the rapid fire quiz. Just about okay. certain things with your career. Fire away. I hope you're okay playing along here. What's the accomplishment in your career you're most proud of? Champions League 2005. Favorite goal of your career? 2006, Cardiff, FA Cup final, West Ham. Best goal of your career in terms of degree of difficulty? The same goal, uh, 35 yards out. I had cramp. I was absolutely shattered. Uh, Final moments of extra time. Uh, I managed to connect with a sweet strike in the FA Cup final, so that was probably the most difficult goal, so I'm really proud of that one. Best player you've ever played against? Lionel Messi. Toughest defender you've ever faced? Defender. John Terry. Most difficult goalkeeper to score against in your career? Peter Cech. 
best teammate of your career? Luis Suarez, Xabi Alonso. Best midfielder, best striker. Best manager you've ever had? In terms of tactically, probably Rafa Benitez. The player you've most admired in your career? Zinedine Zidane. Why? Just because he he plays a similar position to myself. I think he's got a great physique. Um, he goes about the game. It looks effortless to him. Um, he has a swagger and a class about him, and I just love watching him. Best advice you've ever got? You don't only get out of soccer what you put in. And, you know, what I mean by that is the harder you work and the more you sacrifice, the more you get out. Lastly, the person you most want to meet in the United States? The person I want to meet? Um, <laughs> can I say that, can I? No. Uh, <laughs> I want to meet. Who's the most famous sportsman in America? Well, you're telling me that you're an NBA fan, so maybe LeBron James. Met him, done. That's already <laughs> off the bucket list. Kobe Bryant, met him, done. Two legends of the game. So maybe Steph Curry is the new guy in town. I think he might be. Yeah, bring him on. Steven Gerrard, thanks for joining the Sports Illustrated Podcast. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we want to close with a game we're going to call the Mario Gomez game. Uh, we tried this a little bit a, a couple weeks ago, 30-second answers to, to some quick questions about, about everything, all things go uh, soccer. Um, we used a gong last time. We are ramping it up and going Mario Gomez button, so I hope you guys are ready. If you haven't had the pleasure of hearing the Mario Gomez button, oh, you're, this is your day. This is your day. Uh, Grant, let's start with you. Barcelona, Atletico Madrid on Saturday. The last two years, this game has literally decided the Spanish title uh, a little earlier this season uh, that, that their last meeting is. Uh, what? How far does this go in determining things? Oh, it goes a heck of a long ways because you look at Barcelona, they have a game in hand. If they win this game, they would have a game in hand and be up by three points on Atletico Madrid. Uh, as much as I love Diego Simeone and what he's done to get uh, a team with less talent toward the top of the league, this is when Barcelona basically puts away Atleti. Man, you really do have that 30-second thing down pat. Brian, PSG is ahead of the rest of uh, France's top flight by 21 points right now. Uh, are they the most boring big team in Europe? Uh they may be, but not because of that. It's because it's been 20 years, I believe, since they have uh, progressed to the final four of the Champions League. So, you know, they're, they're a team that is dominating domestically. But until they really make a run uh, at, at the biggest trophy of all, uh, you know, that's kind of boring. So, so uh, you know, they've proven that they're dominant in the French League. You know, they have uh, that Qatari money sort of fueling this thing. You know, they'll, they'll challenge Lyon's record of seven straight championships, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, it's time to make a run of the big Mario competition. Gomez, uh, Mario Gomez, Mario Gomez. This, is my, this is my first time playing this game, but I also... It's, it's, no, it's mess, no, let me explain this, guys. It's messed up because I want to hear the song. And the only way to hear the song is to fail at the game. So I don't know if I'm incentivized to do it right and speak in under 30 seconds or do it wrong and then hear Mario Gomez. I think no matter <laughs> what, we all win. Structure, the entire structure of the game is flawed because I'm incentivized to fail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Grant, how many time zones have you traveled through in the last month? And can you name the current time zone that you are in? 
I have lost count, uh, to be honest. And here's my question. I may be in Greenwich Mean time zone, but I'd always sort of assumed that that somehow was different from the UK time zone. And so uh, the whole thing I find very confusing. Um, I was in Antigua to speak to FIFA candidates not long ago. I was in LA, was in Baltimore. I was in, I think it's called Central European time zone a couple days ago at Bayern Munich. Um, All I know is, is that I wake up in the morning. All I know is Mario Gomez is, is great job, Grant. Is did what it. I heard. <laughs> is what I heard. I did it, and let me say, Mario Gomez has sort of fallen off the face of the earth, but not a bad guy. <laughs> uh, let's let's count this as our invitation to have him join the podcast. That would be great. <laughs> Curious what he thinks about this button, uh, Brian. The most significant acquisition so far of the MLS offseason. What is it, and why? Didier Drogba. Luring, luring Drogba back from the loving arms of Roman Abramovich, uh, and presuming, uh, presumably bringing him back into the fold to, for the impact at least uh, for a good chunk of the season. Uh, not technically an acquisition, but but a, a a big coup for the impact if if they've been able to convince Drogba to stay on. Uh, otherwise, uh, maybe Yeremov Sissian uh, returning to Real Salt Lake, a team that couldn't score goals to save its life last year. Uh, maybe he'll give him a spark. Uh, and, and I'm just going to keep kind of rambling here. How many more seconds do I have to talk? <laughs> nice. You, you have mastered this game. Uh, final question for both of you, Grant. I want to start with you. How excited are you for these U.S. national team friendlies? They haven't played since November. Iceland and Canada coming up on the docket. January camp, all that excitement. What, what are you thinking, Grant? USA Canada, we have seen many times, is maybe the worst uh, game between national teams in the world, <laughs> even friendlies. Um, zero, 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 zero. I don't know how many times you've seen this before now, uh, except maybe in Gold Cup, where Canada tends to lose uh, all the time. Um, so can't say I'm all that excited about this one. Maybe slightly more than in previous uh, occasions, just because Kyle Laren is intriguing to me a little bit. Uh, and maybe Canada starting to get its act together uh, slightly in World Cup qualifying. But overall, not all that excited. Uh, slightly more for the Iceland game, but not so much just because Iceland doesn't even have its... Mario Gomez! Mario Gomez! Mario Gomez! Pretty sure that said because Iceland doesn't have Mario Gomez. That was timed incredibly perfectly. Uh, Brian, your your thoughts uh, as we close this? I, I I agree with Grant. You know, the inevitable zero zero draw with Canada is is must see TV. Um, you know, this is not about this is a split team between the U twenty threes and the senior team. So we'll be looking for maybe some some partnerships, a little bit of chemistry between guys who will then split uh, to go off to their big games in March. But these are these are the most these are low key friendlies even for January camp. Uh, so I'll watch because I have nothing else to do and because it's my job. But uh, this is about as low key as it gets. Hit it, Mario. No, we, we can't. You you got like twenty eight seconds. So so All no, right. we will we will postpone Mario until <laughs> got to go in on a missed shot. That's always tough. <laughs> uh, one thing I am actually looking forward to to seeing in these games is Jordan Morris. So much so much hype, so much talk about his move to Seattle. Uh, let's let's see how he handles his first moments back on the field since winning a national championship with Stanford. Um, that, that will do it for us, uh, but not before we congratulate essentially everyone in the U.S. national team or U.S. soccer community for, for apparently having children. 
Uh, Landon Donovan, uh, him and his wife welcomed in a, a baby boy, Talon. Uh, congratulations to them. Sydney LaRue and Tom Dwyer, they're going to be having a child. Congratulations to them. I believe Stuart Holden's wife is is due very soon. Charlie Davies, they're twins in that mix. Uh, the the next generation of of U.S. soccer potentially being born uh, right right before our eyes. So how about that? Congratulations to all. I uh, want to thank Grant Wall, Brian Strauss for joining us, our producer, Alex Abnos. I'm Avi Creditor. We will talk to you next week on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.